How many are ready to get in the message this morning? Are you sure? Because it's going to be an interesting one. How many are ready to get in the Word this morning? Last week, amen, I'm glad. I'm so glad. You know, I love to preach the Word to you guys. I really do. I love that we've been going through Revelation. And uh, last week, we started to get into Revelation chapter 6. We're studying the end times. And so that brings us to the election. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not, that's, I'm just kidding. That's not what I'm talking about. No, listen. Uh, I'm, next week, I'm going to be picking up in our uh, teaching on Revelation. Uh, I will be picking that up again next week. But this week, as I was preparing that, I felt the Lord leading me in a different direction. How many know that when you feel the Lord leading you, you should follow him? Wherever you feel the Lord leading, that's where you should go. So uh, before we get started with the word this morning, let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the message. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that not only was it relevant back when in 2016, it's, it's relevant now. Lord, I thank you that you have graced me with the privilege of ministering your word. Lord, I thank you for the grace that you have shown us. Lord, I thank you for the cross this morning. Lord, let our eyes be focused on you. Let our eyes be focused on your glory, your power, not our own. Lord, this morning as we go into the word and we talk about the election, let us not approach it from a mind filled with bias and hatred, but Lord, from a, a heart filled with your spirit and your glory. Let us approach it looking at it as you would have us look at it. Lord, I pray over each person here as they hear this word that it wouldn't just go in one ear, out the other, but Lord, it would stay with them. This week and moving forward, even beyond Tuesday. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This week... I'm going to preach a message that I have preached before. Uh, four years ago, how many, some of you were here, you may recall four years ago I preached on the election. I preached on the election and some things I believe that God wanted to remind us of as we go to the polls as a nation, right? Uh, there are some people who have already done early voting. A lot of people choose to vote on Tuesday. I'm one of those people that treats it kind of like a holiday. And I take my kids, and I want I want take my kids. I want I want to show them, you know, the process and whatnot. I think that's cool. But uh, four years ago, I preached a message called "A Christian's Guide to the Election." And so, while you may uh, hear some of the same material, I've had to tweak some things here and there, and feel led to share some things I didn't then. And so, I've added to it. I've taken away some, but the principles are still the same. And I believe that they are important for us now, just like they were then. Okay, so I don't know this for sure, but I, it seems like, Doug, I might need to just preach this message every four years. So I don't know for sure, but it may just need to be that way. Because how many know it's easy to forget the promises and directions that God gives us? It's so easy to forget. How many, how many know those stinking Israelites kept forgetting the promises of God? Kept forgetting what God did for them all the time. They are walking in the desert. They start complaining. Remember what it was like in Egypt. Can't we go back there? Remember all the food we had back then. Can't we get back there? Man, 
That's what happens to us. We forget the promises and direction that God gives us. It's most easy to forget these things when it seems like chaos surrounds us. How many know it's easy to forget that God is good when chaos surrounds us? It's easy to forget that God is a healer when we're going through sickness. It's easy to forget those things. But it's important this morning to be reminded that in the middle of the storm, when the disciples were frantic and they were filled with anxiety, Jesus was sleeping in the boat. How many know it's important to remember that? Right, Bobby? I talked to you about a little bit about this. It's important to remember that Jesus was at rest in the boat. So in case you haven't paid attention or you don't know what's going on, November 3rd, Tuesday, is election day. Uh, and unless you did early voting, it's the day, of course, we get to either elect or re-elect a leader for our nation. Now, I want to emphasize something this morning before we get into the scripture, and it's the same thing I emphasized four years ago. We are a small town in Iowa. Right, Pablo? Just a small little town. We're, that's okay. But how many know that Man, we're a small church in a small town, but yet we are tremendously blessed to be here. I think about what it is like in some larger cities right now and go, man, I'm so thankful <laughs> to live where I live. And the truth is this. There are pastors over larger churches, some over smaller churches, that have felt uh, free, those who may have a, uh, a larger a circle of influence, they may have national influence, and they have spoken on the upcoming election and even taken sides, been willing to use the pulpit under their care to push one party or person over another. Now, I'm aware that the only platform that I have been given in is in speaking to this body of believers, right? Those who are here, those who may listen online, so let me say this and make sure it's clear. I do not believe the pulpit should be used to tell you who to vote for. I don't. However, that belief may change in the future depending on the direction of our nation and its leadership, right? So I, I spoke with uh, one of the elders this last week, and we talked about, uh, this is getting off on a little bit of a rabbit trail, but if you think about 1930s and 40s Germany, uh, pastors who didn't speak out against some of the evils that were happening there, they would be remiss in their duties, right? And so if we hear about those types of things, if we are experiencing those kinds of things, then I believe the pastor has, the, to, has to take the appropriate measures to speak directly to the congregation concerning the leadership of the nation. At this point, I do not believe that it is my responsibility to tell you who to vote for. I don't believe that's a, a, a mandate that I have. I do believe that God has given me a mandate to minister not only the spiritual truth found in the Bible, but practical truth as well. So, I have my own opinions. Some of you know what my opinions are. Some of you uh, agree with my opinions. Some of you may not agree with my opinions. But first, as a Christian, and second, as a pastor, my views and commitments have to be rooted not in my own opinion, but in the Word of God. Amen? My views and opinions should not be rooted in just me, but in the Word of God and what the Word of God has to say about it. So regardless of where the culture is leaning, 
regardless of what the trend is, regardless of whether it comes from the Republican platform or the Democratic platform, listen, regardless of whether it's said by ex-Vice President Joe Biden or by President Donald Trump, regardless of who it's said by, I have to be grounded in the word. I know that people have very strong opinions about it, right? And I know that I'm potentially swimming into dangerous waters. Okay? It's the same thing I felt last time. It's the same thing I feel this time. But that doesn't sway me from preaching what God has given me to preach this morning. Amen? So, with all of that being said, I want to approach this election from Scripture. So, number one, how should Christians approach this election? The first thing we have to remember is this. America is not our true home. America is not our true home. Jim Reeves years ago wrote a song about this, and he, sa and he sang it this way. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Right? Susie, you know the song? How does it go? My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Why? Because our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is not in America. As much as I'm blessed to live in America, we, how many know it's a tremendous blessing to live in America? Right? We are blessed to live here, and I love America. I love, listen, as Christians, we have to acknowledge the truth that we are strangers in a strange land. As Christians, we have to acknowledge that truth. Otherwise, we get caught up in nationalism over our faith. We can't love our country more than we love our God. Amen? We are aliens living in a foreign land. Philippians 3, verse 17 through 21 says this. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Go to the next slide, please. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now they tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, listen to this, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven. Say citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to the next slide, please. And it says this, who will transform our lowly body. How many know what I mean by that? Our lowly body to a glorious body, or his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Our citizenship is in heaven. As much, how many, how many, I love the song, God Bless America. I really, God bless America, right? Land that I love, stand beside her and guide her, right? We look at that, and I, man, my heart swells. I hear that, I hear God bless America. I hear, uh, oh, what's that song? President Trump plays at his rallies. <laughs> Proud to be an American, right? Proud to be, I, I love that song. It's a great song. I, but listen, as much as I love that song and I love this country, I have to consistently remind myself that while God has placed me here, my citizenship is in a much, much, much better place. 
We have to remember that this morning. In, in case there's any more confusion about it, let me, can, let me tell you about where we're going, right? The Bible says there will be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no more pain, no more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. You know the song. What a day, what a glorious day that will be. I love that song. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. As he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, what a glorious day that will be. How many know that when we wave the flag, we wave it proudly, right? I'm an American, we're, we're proud to be Americans and we love being Americans, but I can't wait to shake the dirt off my feet because my citizen, citizenship is somewhere else. Last time I, I preached on this, I talked about Evan. Evan, how many, you, you, like, you like where you live, right? Yeah? You live on a farm with your parents, right? And looking at your own place, you got things going on, right? We look forward to things. We got, we got, we got things going on. We got relationships and friendships and jobs and we got all the stuff going on right and we go man god you've been so good to us and so tremendous what a blessing it is right i thank god that we have an opportunity to worship freely this morning where in so many other countries they're they're tortured for their faith they're not allowed to gather together not because of a virus but i mean in any time because of an attack on freedom and attack on faith. And again, not talking about coronavirus, I'm talking about in normal circumstances. So I'm proud to live in America. I'm, I'm happy to have been born here. I'm, it's, it's only by God's grace and providence that you are placed here. But I can't wait to, wait to shake the dirt off my feet when it's time to go and live where I'm supposed to be. Amen? How many are excited for that day? Don't get too excited. I don't want you to leave too quick, right? But I'm excited for that day. I want to be with my Savior. I want to take the, man, I, I just want to kind of this temporary living space, get away from it, right? How many know that just because it's temporary doesn't mean we shouldn't take care of it? How many ever stayed in somebody else's house before? How many, they do these uh, things all the time now. What are they called? VRBO? or Airbnb, Airbnb, right? It's where you can stay in other people's houses. I would think that would be super uncomfortable. I would think, you know, you get up there. I once had, uh, I'm not going to say who it was, but it was funny. Uh, it was a fellow minister. And here's what he did, Mike. He came to my house. He sat down, and I have a coffee table right here. He goes, hey. How's it going? He started talking to me with his feet up like this, right? And I'm like, and, I, and, and he had taken his shoes off and his socks were on there and stuff like that. And uh, it, it didn't bother me. I just thought, man, this guy's really comfortable in my house. <laughs> it really didn't bother me because we were just having a conversation. But I thought, man, this guy's really comfortable in my house. And so it's one of those funny things that, that when we go to some, somebody, else, somebody else's house, 
we want to be real careful about stuff, right? We want to make sure we put things back where they belong. We want to make sure we don't mess up things too bad. We probably don't want to put our feet up on their furniture. We probably don't want to do things like that, right? Because we want to have good stewardship over it. In this world, we are temporarily here, and God wants us to have good stewardship over it, right? We're called to be godly stewards. We're called to be good stewards over what God has given us. I believe that for the Christian, that includes voting. I believe voting for our leadership under the leading of the Holy Spirit. That you are called to vote. Number one. Number one is, oh, where is it? Let's go back here. This world, America, is not your true home. Number two. Say number two. God's ways are not always our ways. God's ways are not always, say always, our ways. Isaiah 55, 8 through 11 says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so my word goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I, have des- what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The main theme is this. His thoughts are not our thoughts. I put always because many times in our life we're following God, right? We're following God's purpose. We're following his presence. We're following God's ways. And so at times his thoughts are our thoughts, right? I hope that's true of those who are here, that many times we're following God in our life and his ways are our ways. But sometimes, how many know sometimes God has a plan that we know nothing about? God has a plan we know nothing about. So listen, we can't put our faith in a candidate or in a party, but we have to put our faith in him. Amen? Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord our God. The secret things. Uh, 1 Corinthians says that we look through a mirror but dimly. We can't see all or know all. So some have claimed, actually I just heard of one this morning, some have claimed prophecies about who the next president may be. And so they may be right and they may be crazy. How many know they may be right or they may be crazy? But the fact is that sometimes we are living in a mysterious place of depending on God even when things do not go as we think they're supposed to go. How many have ever been there in your life? We are, we, you have to find yourself dependent on God and you go, man, God, this isn't the way I thought it was going to go. Boy, God, this is a lot different than I thought it was going to be. And so you're going through that, and you're going, man, I have to trust God. So when we are in that place, do you still put your trust in him? Thank you, Reagan. While that's on your mind, I want you to think about this. It's 15, nearly 1,500 years B.C., and you're a Jewish slave that's living in Egypt. 1,500 years B.C., you're a Jewish slave. You've been enslaved your entire life. Your people have been tortured and abused because of the pharaohs in Egypt. 
you start to hear rumors that God is raising up a deliverer. You start to hear the rumors, God, God is raising up a deliverer. His name is Moses. There's a deliverer. His name is Moses. And the fact is that God raised up Moses to deliver the Jewish people. Amen? Amen. You say, Pastor David, what's the point of that story? How does it relate to this? The point is this. Because we can see God raising up Moses. But did you also see that God was raising up the Pharaoh? We can see that God is raising up the deliverer. But can we understand that God also raised up Pharaoh? Romans 9, verse 17 says this. For Scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. It may not make sense to us. It may seem crazy to us. But how many know his ways are not our ways? Why would God put a hard-hearted, evil man in power? I don't know. Why would God put evil people in power? I don't know. Many in power, listen to this, over God's people, they not only tortured Christians, they killed children. They killed children. In fact, two times that we see in Scripture, Pharaoh killed many children as well as Herod killed children. Some not even as old as two years old. Now, I want you to think about that. So in history... Rulers have been in power that called for the murder of children. You say, man, Pastor David, how does that make sense? How is that possible? So biblically, we see that Pharaoh was in power when Moses was born. And then, of course, Herod was in power when Jesus was born. So why would God allow men to be in power that are evil? Why would God allow these leaders to be evil? I don't know. I know that's a frustrating answer. I don't know. It's a question to which there is no answer currently. We may not have the reason. We may not have the understanding. But here's the important part. Do we still put our trust in God? Knowing that even when it makes no sense to us, God has a plan. He has a purpose. He brings beauty from ashes. He is ultimately in control of the events that will culminate in his return to power and glory. Amen? Anybody. Are you awake this morning? You got an hour extra sleep. I expect you to be awake this morning. Amen? One hour extra sleep. How many actually you got an hour extra sleep? I did not. <laughs> I did not get an hour extra sleep, but I guess, you know, it works out that way. We don't know the reason all the time that things work out the way they work. How is this election going to work out? I don't know. Am I worried about it? Not really. You say, Pastor David, this is the election of our life. I mean, one side is saying we're, we're fighting for the soul of our nation. The other side is saying, yes, we are. There's passion and, and, and anger on both sides of the aisle. And I get that there's more than, you know, two candidates, but in reality, we're a two-party system. That's how it goes for now. And what may happen on Tuesday, or we may not know for a while, what may happen, we may not understand. But can we trust that God is in control? 
Amen? Can we trust that God is in control? Can we trust that we, our, our ways are not always God's ways? And God's ways are not always our ways. Number three, important here. We are Christians, right? We're believers, right? Oh, everybody stand up this morning. Go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and stand up. Just, just, oh my goodness. I'm not going to ask you to like shake the neck of the person next to you, but just like shake yourselves awake this morning. I want to see some shaking right now. Come on. Is it a little warm in here? I got the fan going on here, Matt. You can come stand up here with me. All right, you can sit down. Wake up this morning. Amen? Listen, number three, we're Christians, right? Number three, big one. We need to always be grace-filled rather than hate-filled. One pastor said it this way. Graciousness, grace, and grace-filled are not the norm when Christians get involved in politics. It's sad to hear, but if you were to put all the Christian comments about politics and politicians in the same basket as non-Christian comments, you would be challenged to tell the difference. Has our speech, listen to this carefully, has our speech glorified God? Have our Facebook posts, uh-oh, have our, has our talk at work, has our talk at school been filled with love and hope or hatred and venom? And if it's filled with hatred and venom, we need to take a look at what is influencing that. Our conduct shouldn't be influenced by our circumstances, but should always be moved and influenced by our submission to Christ in our lives. Let me say this for a record. I'm not perfect at this. I'm not, right? This is something that I'm working on. I'm working on it too. So let's work on it together. Amen? Sometimes we have to work on these things together. Colossians 4, verse 6 says this, Let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person or each one. You say, but Pastor David, that person's evil. I mean, that person is crazy evil. We probably don't even know half the stuff that they've done. And that could be a true statement. It could. It could be a true statement. In our eyes, oh man, I just messed up right here. Let's see right there. In our eyes, they could be very well worthy of our hatred. Uh, four years ago now, I talked about what was called the 101% rule. How many remember that? Anybody remember what the 101% rule was? It's this. You find 1% of something in common. And you give yourself 100% to it. You, you may hate the person to the core. You may hate what they stand for to the core. But you have two things in common with them. And I've preached about this before. And I talked about this on, on Wednesday a few, nights, a few weeks ago. Two things in common. One is this. We have all been made in God's likeness. You are made in God's likeness. So was Vice President Biden. So was President Trump. Number two. Number one, we're all made in God's likeness. Number two, Jesus died for them. 
just like he died for us. Jesus died for them just like he died for us. James 3, 8 through 9 says this, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who have been made in the likeness of God. We curse people who have been made in the likeness of God. Now, I believe we have to be careful at being biblically clear on the policies or positions a person may hold. But we have to keep in mind that our hope for the lost is that they will ultimately be with us in glory. That should be our hope for the lost, right? That should be our hope for those who hold, who hold opposing viewpoints, even what may seem to be evil viewpoints. I don't care if you're on the right or the left. I want to see President Trump, Donald Trump with me in heaven. Amen? I want to see Vice President Joe Biden with me in heaven. I want to see Kamala Harris with me in heaven, giving God glory, raising up her hands, lifting her, lifting her lips, and speaking out glory. That's what I want to see. I want to see the same of, of Vice President Pence. So no matter what side of the aisle you lay on, no matter what side of the aisle you look on, how many know we are called to pray for our leaders? They are made in God's likeness. Jesus died for them just like he died for us. And we are called to pray for them. I was in my job near Atlanta when people started talking about President Obama, and I've talked about this before. They were saying some really bad things about him. And they weren't commenting on his policies or his, his governing. Instead, they were going after him personally in really, really offensive ways. And so they asked me, well, what do you think about it, Dave? And I said this. First was this. We should honor the president because it's who God has put in leadership. The second thing I said is what really ticked them off. It's really hard to talk about somebody you're praying for. It's really hard to talk bad about somebody you're praying for. <laughs> From then on, they thought I was a Democrat. They said, oh, he's a Democrat. Just because I said, listen, we should be praying for our president. And I will say this, no matter who it is. No matter who it is, pray for whoever. That's number four. That's the last one. Pray for whoever is elected. Pray for whoever is elected. And speaking about the candidates, one pastor said this. I like this. This is really good. They do not need my sinful anger or my hatred. They need my Jesus. They do not need my sinful anger or my hatred. They need my Jesus. I suspect that I will never agree with them regarding their politics or their agendas, but I do pray for them, especially that they would come to a saving faith in Christ. So I have a question for you this morning. With all of the anxiety and all of the anger and all the worry over this election, have you taken time to pray for the candidates? Not just the ones you agree with, because we don't know who will be in power coming, coming soon. Probably not Tuesday. We might not know Tuesday, but coming soon. Why should you pray for them? 
Why should you pray for them? Well, first and foremost, because the Bible tells us to. First Corinthians, or I'm sorry, First Timothy 2, verse 1 through 2 says this. Therefore, I exalt or urge, first of all, that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks may be made for all men or all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness or reverence. So, number one, remember that America is not your true home. Amen? Our citizenship is in heaven. Number two, God's ways are not always our ways. Number three, we should always be grace-filled rather than hate-filled. We should always be grace-filled rather than hate-filled. How many know we're not always grace-filled? Carol, you ever not grace-filled? Yeah? Steve, you ever not grace-filled? Yeah? Mostly with your kids? Is that No. <laughs> How many know that sometimes we're just not grace-filled like we should be? We need to be filled with the love of Christ for people, including our leaders and especially our leaders. They are made in the likeness of God. No matter who is voted in on Tuesday, who are, no matter who is elected in this election, they are made in the likeness of God. And Christ died for them just like he died for us. Amen? Amen. Jenny, can you make your way forward here? Number four, you should pray for whoever is elected. We should pray for whoever is elected. This evening at 6 p.m., we're going to pray for our nation we're going to pray for our leaders. We're going to engage in worship. Just for an hour. Six o'clock to seven o'clock. It's, we're going to have the lights low. We'll have worship music going. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to ask some others to pray as well. But we have to remember as believers... where to put our trust. We do. We have to be reminded all the time. How many know all the time? Whether it be because of sickness, it be because of circumstances, it may be because of what we see on Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or any of the like. How many know sometimes you just need to shut that off and read your Bible? Amen? How many know sometimes you just need to shut that garbage off read your Bible. Focus on the promises of God. Focus on the direction of God in our lives. 